House Flipping HQ Podcast, episode 28. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Southland and now into your head. HFHQ is on the interweb. You think you know how to flip from watching DIY? You better self-correct, cause he's a heck of a guy. J to the U to the S to the T-I-N. Listen close, cause I won't say it again. Get your dose of the flip and you'll come back in time. From the blog to the pod to the mastermind. It's your one-stop shop to drop the flipping bomb. HQ.com. First off, before we get into our episode for today, we got something really special for everybody. I wanted to give a shout out to Mark Moran uh, for that Killa intro. For those of you who don't know Mark, he's my web ninja, and he takes care of all the behind the scenes, everything here at House Flipping HQ. Without him, I mean, we wouldn't have anything here, and that guy is something else. I don't know if there's anything he can't do. I had no idea he was such a good rapper and so talented um, all around, so... He doesn't get enough love because he's always behind the scenes, but man, that, that guy does a lot. So, you know, drop him a message, let him know uh, how, what a great job he's doing. Alrighty, so today, very special episode. Rather than just interview, you know, the typical house flipping pro, the expert, many of you guys know that I recently started a, uh, a mastermind group and I've realized a lot of people have the same questions. And so kind of at the same time, my brother has been getting really interested in house flipping. And I've been kind of talking to him and coaching him, giving him some tips. He's listened to all the podcasts and he's been taking some massive action this past week. So what I decided to do is I thought, you know, all the stuff that I'm talking to you about, my audience could really hear as well. So I thought, okay, let's do an interview. We kind of two birds with one stone type thing. I can coach you. And all my audience can be on as well and kind of like a fly on the wall and listen to what we're talking about. So, ladies and gentlemen, today I give you the one, the only, my broski, Stephen Williams. Ah, what's up, Steve Arino? What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm doing good. How's it down there in San Clemente? Beautiful, beautiful weather. The sun came out. It's a shining. We had some rain yesterday, which we needed. Um, but now it's really nice. Just was out there on the patio enjoying the view. So very nice. How a little are things? Bit, yeah, go ahead. A little bit jealous. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful day here, but it's about 37 degrees probably <laughs> here <laughs> so, in Utah. So yeah. Steven's currently in Utah. I think the other day you joked about, it's like a big a frozen ice block. Ice block. That's what you said. Uh-huh. So, yeah. All right, man. All right. Someday we'll get you back down here to, to SoCal. So Okay, so um, Stephen, for those of you who may not know or probably don't know, has been with me from the beginning. He was one of my installers that went to Bakersfield. He took the plunge, went to Bakersfield. 
Um, so when we moved, when, when my wife and I, along with Brogan, moved to Bakersfield to try to save the satellite dish business, we basically moved into the same house with him and other installers and Paris brother and fiance. It was pretty crazy, right, Steve-O? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Stephen has seen me um, go through the satellite dish business with my partner. And then when I transitioned out of my satellite dish business into real estate, I said to Stephen, all right, the satellite dish business is yours. I'm going to go learn this real estate thing. And as we dumped the satellite dish business, I put Stephen full board uh, in charge of the short sales and the real estate business. So he was in charge of all the negotiating. And we actually got to the point where um, he was practically running the business, um, which is probably why he ended up quitting. But <laughs> but we've been, we've been through a lot together. Um, and recently... I'll let him give a little bit more of, of his reason why, but you know he recently got married, and you know he's just trying to figure out like what he's done some really cool stuff. He's done killed it at sales and done a lot of the uh, different things. Um, but when he was single, he kind of had a little more uh, liberty to kind of yeah okay go make some money and kind of do check out some different things, try some new things. But now he's like okay, what do I want to do? Like right, like what do I really want to do and really focus on. So he's been listening to the podcasts. And even though he has that background in short sales, it's different, you know. It's so I've been coaching him recently on what he needs to do. So uh, I will I'll quit babbling, Steve. Let's hear from you a little bit. Give it, explain to everybody a little more why uh, why you're interested in, in flipping houses and catch us up to speed with when you started listening to the podcast, when you started getting interested, and what you've done. I, I mean, you've just taken some incredible action this last week, and I'm just pretty blown away. So why don't you share that with us? All right. So first off, you know, kind of give a little bit of background of, of where I came from. Um, so <laughs> way back when I remember when Justin first started his satellite business, he had me go out and knock on a couple doors to see if I could sell a property. And me, you know, that that's not my personality at all. I uh, was petrified <laughs> on the first door that I ever knocked. And I, I didn't know how people did it. And I had this complete fear of anxiety. But then as time went on, I started installing satellite dishes for Justin's satellite business. And I became more comfortable with the product, at least. And uh, after a while, just our sales guys weren't producing sales. So I had me, one of my really good friends, and my one of my, I guess, Justin's brother-in-law's out there installing with me, but we had no work. So it was either, I was like, if I want to pay the bills, I need to go knock some doors again. And so I vividly remember going out with the anxiety again, knocking one street and selling three satellite dish systems on that one street. I remember. And I never, I never looked back. So I've been, doing selling ever since, even though it's completely against my natural personality, because I realized that that's uh, where the money was. I would always joke with Steven about, we would always joke about, he was really good at things. Like I can't fix anything to save my life. And Steven's always really been good at tinkering with things and getting things figured out. But he hasn't really, people haven't really been his thing. My thing's been more working with people. And so to see him be able to sell the, and we just, I don't know. I never thought it would happen. He didn't think it would happen. And it was just, it was pretty amazing. 
So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then before you knew it, you know, the, the satellite thing didn't end up working out how we had envisioned. So I took over um, negotiating short sales for Justin's business, which was a huge step for me. I remember <laughs> in, in Bakersfield, California, submitting like 28 short pack or short sell packets going in at one time and just calling banks negotiating. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Um, but that's what I learned from Justin just to push through and do things. Even when you don't have the rest of the steps, figure out as you go. So I, I fell forward fast then. Um, I enjoyed the real estate. Eventually, we ended up moving from Bakersfield down to Mission Viejo. And uh, after a while, you know, I felt like I should go get a college degree. I don't know why I decided that, but that was uh, it's my It's all vision. about finding your way in life, right? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. So I did that. I, I went to college up here in Utah. And over the summers, I would go knocking doors selling pest control uh, for Altera Pest Control with my cousin. And uh, my first year out there, I, I only went for two months and I sold over 150 accounts. And I was able to pay for of the school year with that. So then every summer after that, I would continue to sell pest control door to door, no matter, even though I, you know, I didn't enjoy doing it, uh, but I enjoyed the freedom that it gave me after that. Uh, But anyhow, so for school, I was going to school as a graphic designer and it was kind of depressing hearing my instructors telling me that, you know, it's hard to make in this business. They're sitting there broke and they're teaching me how to to do graphic design. And I was like, (laughs) Oh man, I, I know how much money I can make in sales or in business. And so I was like, I got to get out of here. So I had <laughs> about a semester and a half left of school. I met my wife. I was like, I, how am I going to support her with this field? So I decided to, uh, to get into selling insurance. I got licensed as, a, as an insurance agent. And your future family, right? Not just yeah. your wife. But. Yeah, I wanted to be able to provide a living. And, and what I loved about insurance is you could build a book of business and uh, you know have residual income coming in, which I thought was the best thing ever. So I started working for this company, watching how, how they run it. And you know, a couple months in, I was like, I could do this on my own. Why am I getting paid this small commission to work for this company who was actually a startup company? I was writing my own scripts. I was doing my own pitch. I was doing everything. Yeah. So I decided to, to start my own insurance business. And so I left there and I started working for another agency to help me get to that point. And after a while, I just realized that insurance is going to take me at least three years to even get a book of business big enough to even support my family and uh you know that that was scary to me if i wanted to have kids i just felt like i was going to end up on the street (laughs) going that route and so i guess just thinking about having kids and building a family and wanting to support my wife and create a lifestyle that that i wanted for my family uh, pushed me to make some drastic changes i actually remember getting back from, we had a late honeymoon and getting back and Aaron, my wife, she had her college tuition due. She's in her intern year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how are we going to pay for this? <laughs> you know, I was making $600 a month <laughs> at my new job working all day. 
And it was just insane. And so I remember breaking down. I actually called Justin or sent him a text message. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, I've got it here. That's not good. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of at a really hard spot financially, newly wed, love my wife, great relationship, but how am I going to support her and, you know, and provide? So I started listening to Justin's podcasts and I, you know, I just kind of got hooked on them and then listened to them more and more. And then this Monday, I decided I'm just going to jump headfirst into <laughs> real estate. I got pumped from all the, the awesome people that he had on the show. I was inspired. And I was like, if everybody else on this show can make it in real estate, with the effort that I'm putting in to insurance and possibly start my own insurance agency, there's no way that I, I don't think I could be successful with real estate. And so I just continued to educate myself on on Monday, I, you know, went into to work part time with the insurance company. And then after that, I, I was just done. So and then I kind of started taking action. So I now guess. you're a full time real estate investor. I'm a full time <laughs> real estate investor. As of this I haven't week. made a penny yet, <laughs> but I started Monday and I feel more wealthy than I have in a long while. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, you're you are in. What's cool is like a lot of people hear me and like, oh, he's already made it. Like, so it's kind of cool for them to listen to your journey. You're in the thick of it right now, right? Yeah. So now I'm not saying people should go jump ship on their current job, <laughs> but sometimes people wonder when is the right time. How? So in your mind, what is your plan? Like, how are you going to pay the bills? What's going to happen? I just kind of it's kind of interesting. Everyone has a different situation, but what is your plan? Like, how do you feel about this? <laughs> 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 so my plan, and it might be kind of aggressive, but I'm going to do whatever I can to make it happen. And we'll see if you could follow up with me in about a month or so. <laughs> but I... You're going to be held plan, accountable by thousands of people now. So there you I go. plan to buy my first house this month. Okay. And, uh, and to do that, I, you know, I've been educating myself in the mornings when I wake up. When I'm getting ready for the day, I actually have a waterproof speaker that I have in my that I could put in my shower or I could listen to podcasts. I know that's kind of, kind of weird, but yeah, hey, it, it works it takes, that's awesome. <laughs> to kind of, to be more efficient with time. And so what I've done so far, and it's probably not the best steps to take, but I, I've learned, if anything, from listening to this podcast, massive, massive action, Yes. take action and start with step number one. Nice. And Which so is? that's, <laughs> which is buy a property, make offers, Good. find that deal, yeah. <laughs> the first pillar. And so that you don't have all your investors lined up. You mean, like no, you don't? <laughs> I don't. I'm actually turning off my air conditioning here, That's right. but I actually have uh, looked into all the RIA clubs, but none of them, the first meeting isn't until later on this month. So yeah, I haven't yeah. been able to go to no one need yet, to wait, man. No need to wait. So I've been, I've been out, um, first thing I did, there's a, a website called utahrealtors.com here in Utah. Okay. And I sent a message to probably about 50 realtors just saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. I ha I buy with cash and I'm interested in distressed properties. Awesome. Sent that to all of them. Like 50 people. I like hearing that. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, I talked to a realtor and they're not calling me back. I'm like, how many you talk to? Uh, two. And it's like, okay, well, give a little more effort. Well, yeah. And even out of those 50 people, only two or three got back to me. Okay. 
the message saying, hey, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in working with you, you know. And so, so when I did, did you send that. this message? Was that on Monday? That was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. Okay. Your, uh-huh. your first full-time day first on the job. Five, full full day on the job. Finishing <laughs> up with my insurance place, yeah. making sure that all my loose ends are tied. Okay. Left on a really good um, note there. So, okay. and so I did that actually Monday. I, so back up to Monday. Okay. okay. Contact agents. I actually signed up for property radar. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I heard it on the podcast. I heard it was an awesome way to find properties. But then I found out that it doesn't work in Utah. Nice. <laughs> so, so I forward fast. fast, canceled <laughs> that membership, got a refund, and then I continued to study on, on Monday. But then, so back to Tuesday, I, you know, I sent out all those things. Didn't really get the response that I wanted exactly, but I got some kind of momentum going, made some connection with some real estate agents. But right after that, I actually jumped on to Zillow. You know, I'm sure you guys have all heard of Zillow. And I started just scouring all, going through all the different properties that were for sale on Zillow and finding ones that looked like they were listed for a lower price than the other ones that were selling there. So I was trying to find the outliers of and hoping that they are distressed properties. Whenever I'd find one, I'd, I'd click on it. And on Zillow, on, on the right section there, it shows a list of agents. And I'd check the box of the agents and put a note there saying, hey, I'm interested in this property. Please awesome. send me some comps so I could do an analysis or after, review, after repair value comps. I did that on one property, checked the three different agents that were there. And within one minute, I had three real estate agents call my cell phone. Wow. And so from those three calls... I talked to them, explained to them what I was doing, what my vision was. And I set up an appointment with one to meet with the next day. I, so I set up an appointment with one. Uh, the other one said that he'll send me some listings. And then the last one said that he's dealt with real estate agents before. Or investors and, before. He's dealt or with investors, investors yeah. before. And it, it just didn't work out for him. So... For him, I was like, okay, I'll focus on these other yeah, two. Totally. So then the next day I go and I follow. I mean, there's other stuff that I'm doing in between this. So for, the, for so everyone knows, I'm mean, doing this interview on Friday, like a couple, few days before it comes out. So uh-huh. this is when Steven talks about these days. So Monday, he quit his job. Tuesday, he started um, contacting realtors. Was Did you do the Zillow thing on Tuesday? Tuesday or, or Wednesday. So it must have been probably Wednesday because okay. I had up the appointment for yesterday. So oh, that's right. the, that was just Wednesday. You had the appointment. Okay. Yeah. So you met with the, the one realtor. So I met with the one realtor. I drove down there, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, do I really want to go meet with this guy? He's 20 minutes away. Like he's in. Yeah. Do I, is it going to be worth it? I was like, well, of course I do. I'm trying to get out there. I'm trying to market. I, so I, I went to this appointment, go up there, and I sit down with him and then eventually his team of, of agents that he works with. And uh, we just kicked off with some really good rapport. I explained to him what I was looking for. Um, I told him that I want to flip a property a month right now is my goal for now. Awesome. And he's pumped. He's excited. He uh, already took me through a property, showed me a property. And then just about 
10 minutes before this interview here started, he sent me a list of 57 properties wow. that he thinks might be a good fit for me. So distressed properties. And uh, he plans on making several offers for me on those. Or I'm going to make the offers or tell him what to offer, I guess you could but say. But based off of the after-repaired value that he's uh-huh. kind of coming up with and that you're look at comps based uh-huh. off of everything you've learned from the podcast and the site right. um, to determine. And then you'll figure out the after-repaired value. And then from there, what would you do from there? I want to hear your response and I'll coach you if it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So from there, I mean, after I find an after-repaired value that I feel is right, I would take the property minus the, do the calculation, minus the closing costs, add profit and minus repairs or minus repairs and add profit. I'm not yeah. having it in the right order. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same though. You subtract all the costs and, and, right. and, the, and the profit that you want. Uh-huh. And then tell them what I'm, I'm willing to offer on the property. Um, and then have him submit an offer. on. And that's a question I wanted to actually ask you. Like, out of these 57 properties, how many of them do I want to make an offer on? Do I find ones that look good? Do I make an offer on all of them for practice? What, what would okay, you recommend? Well, let's get into that. First of all, I want to point out to everybody that, well, Stephen, you called me one day. Was it Monday or Tuesday that you called me? Oh, you asked me if you should go meet with a bunch of, just go, you just wanted to go meet with brokerages and just start knocking on their door. Yeah. And what uh, did I tell you? You told me to go around and call listings and talk to agents directly, people who, or talk to people who had properties listed. About a specific property. About, and talk to them about that specific property. I just thought that might be a faster way to get into it rather than going to an office. So I'm just throwing that out there so other people know. Uh-huh. That was kind of my recommendation to Steven. But it, you, I didn't even tell you to do Zillow. So what I think is cool is you took enough information that you had and then you're like, hey, there's an agent. Just freaking call the agent. Like... So many people overthink it like, oh, I got to find this one perfect. No, just keep calling a few agents, find the right person, find who's a fit. If they're willing, a lot of people are like, oh, the agents aren't good enough. I'm like, well, you're new too. Like, you know, like you don't know what you're doing either. Like <laughs> you're newer to real estate than the agent is. So you can learn together. That's okay. And you know what? You might go through three agents, but I guarantee you on that fourth agent, it's not that you wasted time. You got like a free education. Because I guarantee you they're going to teach you things or you're going to realize things that you're looking for. So anyway, I commend Stephen, which is why I'm so excited for doing more in like one or two days than most people ever get to or that take like a month to do. So just start working with agents. Now Stephen's to the point where he has someone who wants to work with him and you have someone, other people on the back burner, right? And I, you said, should I go meet with these other guys too? And what I tell you? You said just to focus on that, that agent for now. Yeah. Uh, but well, actually, I think it was both before he was set in stone because like he's really helping. Like he's like on board and he's working closely with me. And so you, at first you're like contact as many agents as you can yeah, that's right. until you find that one or that will that will work with you. Um, but so far, it's been great. There's 300 other agents in his office that, that he's able to network with and, and help find deals that I'm looking for. Um, and it's just been a good fit. So and now, well, what I was going to say, if, if anybody at home or in, at the gym or in the car, wherever you are listening to this is saying, Oh, Steven got lucky, man. I, I wish I would have found that. No, it's not luck. He went out there and took action. He contacted a lot of people and he found someone that is a fit for him for now. And I even told you, Steven, I said, focus on this guy right now. I don't know that he'll work out. 
But you know what? You are now to the point where you're going to be able to look at comps. You're going to be able to make offers. He's already showed you houses. So you have already gone through. I know step one is making offers, but there's like 10 steps or so many steps to get to making an offer. And you've already gone through like eight or nine of those. And you've already sat down with them and you've talked about what entity you want to offer in or what name. Um, you know, he's, he's asked you like how many days to close and all those little things that like people don't really think about. Right. Uh Um, so you've been able to do all that. And now he has sent you the properties, which Uh you now have a bunch of properties. How do these properties look? I don't, I haven't talked to you about this at all. So how do these look? They look like they need work. I've only looked at the first one and it needs work. Uh, Every wall is a different color in the house. There's the pictures are, are hideous. Awesome. But I really just got them. Nice. So, like, so how many listings is that? There's 57. Okay. And what, how far away are they from you? They're all within. I told them that my farm area was about 30 minute drive from where I, where I live. Perfect. So you have 50 something distressed properties that need work. And, but there's no inventory out there is what everybody says. But, uh-huh. you know, there's obviously houses out there that need some work that you now have an opportunity to make an offer on. Love and they're it. all they're all either recent listings or the price has just been adjusted on them, reduced. Perfect. So Perfect. they're all yeah hot hot properties. I mean, and the way I look at it is, it's going to be a good education for me to analyze the properties yes. and, and figure it out. So has he? Did he just send you the properties, or did he send you what he thinks they'll sell for, or any comps, or anything like that? I haven't. I just saw the email and I clicked yeah. on the first one. The the first one that he sent me yesterday, because he had one in mind right off the bat. Okay. He sent me three comps with it. He sent me. He told me how much he thinks I should offer on it to win the deal or to get it. And uh, then I did an analysis on it, and and I did the analysis. And to me, the numbers just they didn't add up for that one. Okay, let's talk about that first off. Because uh-huh. when I hear someone say the numbers didn't add up, I'm like, well. You decide what the numbers are. Okay. So this this is life coaching, right? Forget, Stephen, Uh I want you to forget that everyone else is listening right now. Okay. Uh Just you and me talking. So how did that go yesterday? Um, You don't need to say the exact city. How close was the house to where you live, first of all? It was about 10 10, 10 minutes away. About 10 minutes. Okay. Uh So tell me about the house. How big was it? What did it need a lot of work? Do you know, like, where the specs? What was the year? Yeah, it was a HUD house. It was built in the 19. 80s actually let me i might have it sitting right here yeah it's fine you can pull up or anything you want we can edit out any uh spots that are <laughs> okay so i see a picture yeah <laughs> we can edit out any silence if you're looking for something okay i want this is a and real so, coaching call i'm just coaching you on what you can do i do believe in nep- nepotism is that what it's called by the way where i hook my family up so yeah steven's getting a little hook up here <laughs> and i'm not afraid to say that well, he's I mean, actually he's putting- you know, yeah, the, uh, Stephen has been ago, with me through thick and thin, <laughs> so he's put up with a lot. <laughs> two weeks ago, I wouldn't have agreed to be on this this podcast here, but uh, I've learned from Justin that the most money you make is the most uncomfortable you are. So, yes. <laughs> so I'm on here. This isn't comfortable for me, but you know, I need to overcome that. To, and it used to be for me, though. Now I'm busting out in song. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was uh, awesome, by the way, on your last podcast. <laughs> There'll be many more to come. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know you had it in you. I, I really didn't, didn't know either. I just, you know, hey, we all sing in the shower, right? So now I just like uh-huh. figured, you know, <laughs> why not? Why not just let loose? All right. So back to this house. What are the stats? So you want the stats on the it? Specs, it's, uh, yeah. it's a 22,660 square feet. That's counting the basement. Tw- how big? Oh, 2,200. 2,200. 
2,660. Okay, that's pretty big. Right. But there in well, Utah, you guys have basements, so that's a big part of it. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's not huge, right? Right. And then one of the things about it, though, you know, it, it only has one full bath on the main level. Okay. And then it has one um, three-quarters bath. But the, the bathroom downstairs, there's a, a washing machine right next to it. So it's kind of weird. I don't know if that's a, a problem no, in the same room. So, you, just, you just adjust for, for cost for if you want to uh, change anything around or anything like that. And then you also uh, look at comps in the area. Is Do other comps in the area have that similar thing? And what are they selling uh, for? Um, but then you also just would, you would just account for additional repairs. Anything can be changed to a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't be afraid of, of anything, really. Okay. You just need to know what those costs are, have an idea going into it, and then you do your final inspection to make sure that you were correct. Because now you're meeting with the contractor for your final inspection. There's a difference between making that initial offer and doing that final inspection. Making an initial offer, sure, you want to have kind of an idea. You don't just want to go out there totally blindly. You want to use some of the rules I've talked about, the $20 per square foot rule and, and things mm-hmm. like that to come up with some educated guesstimate of what you think repairs will be but i would just add like a few thousand dollars for something like that and then you have your contract to go look at it later so gotcha uh, so yeah, for this property it's i mean pretty much gonna it'd take a complete rehab it doesn't have a kitchen floor the carpets are nasty baseboards are missing um it needs a lot of work it's what's a it listed home. at okay so head, let's talk about head homes really quick so do you, do you understand what a head home is I, I don't. I have no idea. Basically, I don't either. But <laughs> well, I mean, I do a little bit. But HUD homes sometimes have restrictions where investors can't offer. I mean, you told me this actually about this house. Investors can't offer for the first um, certain amount of days. It, and this home is now past that certain amount of time. So uh, then you like go in and you make your bid. Anyway, you know what? I'm talking as if I'm like an expert on them. I just know enough. I know a little bit because my agents are out making offers on them. But it's kind of like a bidding type thing. It's it's a little different, but close enough. Anyway, that's off. I guess that doesn't really matter. So. And so another thing that my agent mentioned to me that this home, I guess the FHE es- has F- escrowed. FHA or FHA. <laughs> yeah, I'm brand new. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Has escrowed set aside $42,000 for repairs for this property. I guess that's what their estimated bid cost. Okay. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot of work to it. Okay. Okay. So that's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah. HUD does that. They have a contractor go ahead ahead and go through it and they come up with repairs. Now, will your repairs be more or less than that? Uh, it's hard to say, but they'll usually have like a list of items that are needed. And what they think it'll cost based off of the estimate that they have. So that, that is a resource actually that you can use. So, yeah. And so with that, I mean, the list price is two hundred and ten thousand uh, dollars okay. right now. My agent said that you know he he thinks that we could get it for one eighty five, no problem. And what's the what's the list price? Two ten. Okay, but the, the list price is almost irrelevant. Okay, it right. Just is. So he thinks yeah. you can get it for one eighty five. Why does he think that? Is that just his? That's just what he was saying. Okay. Yeah. So 185. Uh, what's the after repaired value? And so the after repaired value, you know, it was with the comps that he gave me, it was really hard for me to determine on, on whether they're accurate. Uh, the, the years, a couple of the properties they were built, they were probably about 12 years newer than this property that I have here. Okay. So is that a comparable? 
if it's it depends um the goal is to look for the most like property okay mm-hmm. so if you have that sold the soonest if you have a house that is next door to yours and is three bedroom three bath and 1500 square feet in the same year and model what i call a model match it's exactly the same in every way maybe has the same kind of view same kind of everything then that and it, and it's rehabbed to where you want your house to be that is a perfect comp if you had three of those on the same street that are exactly the same boom you know mm-hmm. and they sold for the same amount you know your exact arv good luck yeah. finding that it's not <laughs> gonna happen okay so then you just keep going to the next best thing so you want to okay. make sure the comps are in a similar neighborhood and you want to look for as close to the year as you can and you want to adjust accordingly. But I thought, you know, in my mastermind group, we actually just had this discussion a few a couple days ago on our hangout. And, you know, we have this this lady. Uh, we, we love you, Deborah, by the way, uh, who <laughs> she she's continuously coming up with low ARVs because she doesn't see the comps that she likes. But I'm trying to teach them that, look, like. No one's going to like have a crystal ball or like a magic wand and say, poof, this is exactly what this house is going to sell for. I mean, an ARV is your best determination of what you think the house will sell for based off of the data that you have. Okay. So if you can't find a solid, solid comp, you got to go to the next best thing. Now, is that a little bit higher risk? Sure. There are properties that are a little bit higher risk, but as you get to know your areas really well, you know, some of the areas that we buy a ton of properties in. We don't need to look at comps anymore, or at least my agent and Vanessa, like they know because they just know the general area. It's, it's so interesting how you're like, oh, I just know that's what it's going to sell for. So one thing I would do though, Stephen, is if you don't feel good about the comps you have, like as far as age and area goes, then go back in time. And even though that's not appraiser can't use those comps that are older, the market's gone up, correct? So uh-huh. if you see rehabbed comps that are very similar to yours, that's additional data that you can use to say, okay, people in this area are definitely willing to pay this for this house. So let's say you went back six months even and, and saw, or seven or eight months to see, because the market's gone up ever since then. Mm-hmm. And you saw a couple comps that were really close by in the same neighborhood, similar age and size, then I would definitely use that as data, as additional data to help you come up with, it's like an equation. I get all the data I can, and it's almost like a greater than, less than, greater than, less than, greater than, less than, and you eventually come up with this range of like, okay, this house is worth, and I'm not even talking about your house, but 200 to 210, okay, I think it would probably be, if I were to guess, I think about 205, and then that's what you use for your formula, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so talk to me a little more about these comps. I mean, he's saying the ARV, what's he saying the ARV is? So the ARV was, I don't have it pulled up right now, but. But he was saying that you should offer 185. Was that what he thought you should offer? uh Right. And so why are, what number did you come up with after doing your evaluation? Like 145. Like 145. And what did he say? Did you mention that to him? No. No, you didn't didn't mention it because you thought it was, they feel like it's too low. Well, yeah, I just didn't know. And he was going to send me, a bu- send me a bunch of other properties and I'm still analyzing. I didn't know, should I send him that offer? Well, does he understand how you're, you need to teach your agent how you're coming up with your offer? Uh-huh. That's kind of your next step. So what I responded to him was, look, 
it's going to cost six to ten percent in closing cost alone. Okay. Not even accounting for repairs. Yeah. So with closing costs and with um, with the closing costs and then with the repairs, it was basically bringing it to where I might take two thousand dollars. Oh wait, no. With closing costs and profit. I'd make about $2,000 without even accounting okay. for the $42,000. Okay. So this repair. is good. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I'm glad everybody's actually listening because Steven has taken the first steps. He's found an agent that's willing to work with him. Now it's time, not only willing, but like kind of excited and anxious. So mm-hmm. now not only you don't just send him back an offer because he's going to think, oh, that's low, but you help him understand the offer and then he can... Uh, you know, maybe he'll come up with the offer himself. But once they know where it needs to be, then that's great. So there could be several things going on here. And I'd actually like to look at those comps a little later, but maybe tomorrow I can look at those comps or something. So there's several things going on. Number one, we need to make sure that the ARV isn't low. I see a lot of new investors will have their ARVs low, actually, believe it or not, because they don't understand the value that can be added. Okay. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, you're telling me this property needs a lot of work, right? Uh-huh. Like no one is going to buy this property as their primary residence right now. I mean, no. It, so bottom line is it has to be purchased by an investor. So one of a few things are going to happen. Either an investor who doesn't know what they're doing is going to buy it and could lose money if they pay too much. That, that happens. Okay. So, you know, know your numbers, whatever. Learn, learn, get, get educated. Number two, eh, Someone, maybe a landlord could buy it and maybe they're willing to pay a little more because they don't need the flipping numbers to work. By the numbers you're telling me, um, probably not the best cash flow property for a, a, a landlord. Okay. Or number three, an investor who knows a little bit more about the area, maybe knows that the house is worth a little more or knows more about what the repairs are going to be, uh, is going to be able to pay a little more than you and they're going to make money from this house or your agent's off on what he thinks they'll go for or no one's going to offer on it and it and you're you're spot on on your arv you spot on on the repairs you're spot on all, all your numbers and the house will actually go for much less than you think okay so would i make the offer yeah i would make the offer but like i said i would help your agent find out the offer and I would keep working on your after repaired values as well. Because sometimes people mm-hmm. are, they're off, especially agents. Agents, well, usually agents don't understand after repaired value very well at all. Like at all. It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Even the ones have been doing it for a long time. They will usually do a CMA, which a CMA just consists of all the properties in an area. Uh-huh. Ones that are fixed up, ones that aren't. And they'll say, okay, this is what this property is worth. They don't understand that your after-repaired value is going to be usually at the highest end of the comps. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if there's one comp that sold for like a ridiculous amount and then there's other ones that are fixed up that sold for less, so you should always go off to the highest one. But usually your property will probably sell for pretty close to the highest one. You want to look for those outliers, but there are even times when I only have one comp that is fixed up and really comparable to where my property will be. And I use that to support the other data which mm-hmm. I'm seeing. If I see two other houses that need work, I cannot give them the same value as that more expensive one. 
you just can't. So that's why sometimes I'll go back in time. I'm like, okay, I, I feel I feel pretty good about this. So I'm trying to be careful with telling people to use one comp, but with less inventory on the MLS, it is harder. Back in the day, we would used to try to find, you know, those three pretty solid comps, but you can't really do that anymore. Um, now with the comps he sent you, did he send you any actives or list or pendings? No. That can be additional supportive data. Mm -hmm. So have him send you those as well. Because okay. you might see one comp. Let me give you a scenario. So you might see one comp that's totally fixed up the way you want your property to be. Maybe it's a little older, a little newer, but you can adjust for that. And you're like, okay, I think this is the closest comp, but it's older or it's newer, this or that. And so eh, it's just a little bit bigger, smaller, whatever. So, but that's some good data right there. And then if you go back and, oh, I'm sorry. Then you look at like a pending house and you're like, okay, this house is also comparable to what I'm looking for. If it's pending, you don't really know exactly. You don't know what it's going to sell for because a house will say pending on the MLS at a certain number. And that's just uh, what it was listed at that it goes pending at. Okay. So you don't know that it's going to sell for that. So I think Aaron just walked in. <laughs> yeah, What's she did. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, Aaron. Hi. Can you hear? Her? Yeah, Aaron, say hi to say everybody. Hello to the world. Thousands of people. The world. Thousands of people in um, hundreds of countries. She, she can't hear you. She can't hear because you're I have on headphones. Uh, on. headphones. <laughs> tell, tell her. Thousands of people in. Hundreds of thousands countries. of people and hundreds of countries. Just tell her say to you right now. Say hi. <laughs> Just say hi. <laughs> tell, tell her we can edit it if we want, but we probably won't. We don't, I don't like to edit very much. Okay, so <laughs> what I'm saying is, okay, so you have that one piece of data. You're like, okay, this is a pretty good comp, but I need more. Then you can look at the pendings, and if you see a couple pending comps that are also fixed up, or one that's fixed up, that let's say you have a, a pending comp though. And you, what you can do, Stephen, is you can check the, the history of that property. So you can see, okay, let's say the house started out at 250. You're like, oh, this house has been on the market for a long time. So it took a long time to sell this house. But mm -hmm. let's say it was on the market for 60 days. But let's say it started out at 250. And they lowered it to 230 after a month. They realized, okay, this is too high. And then uh, they lowered it to like 210, like two weeks later. And then you see that it went under contract like the next day. Okay. This is all information you can see on the MLS. It's pretty crazy. So you can probably assume that that house went into contract for 210. Okay. You can probably, because, okay, this house, or if it's just barely listed like two days ago and has a ton of offers, I mean, or it went pending like right away, you can assume that it either went pending for the amount that they're asking or more. Okay. So, don't ever just go by pending or active comps, but you can use that as additional uh, backing. Don't ever look at an active comp though that isn't pending. And if it looks high, don't say this is my comp, okay? Look at those as kind of like this is my potential competition. Mm -hmm. I would never want to, if you have like two houses that are totally fixed up, you don't ever want to take those houses and say, Okay, I'm gonna sell my house for if if they if they have theirs listed both at 200, and they look really nice, and they haven't sold in like 30 days. You gotta assume that you're gonna have to sell yours for 200 or less. You can't assume that you can sell it for like 230 or 240. 
Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, it does. And I got another question on the comps because he sent me one that it's it looks the most like this house, but it's rehabbed. It has the granite countertops. It's, okay. it's nice. But it's like either one and a half or 1.8 miles away. Is that well, usable? Typically, it was, it was the most recently sold as well. Typically, you don't want to go that far out. I mean, but that's, like mm-hmm. I said, once again, very typical. You, but not most things aren't that typical. So mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's the most like this property, then I would definitely, it's rehabbed, I would definitely take that into consideration. Uh, but then I would look for additional data that's closer. And like I said, it's like, this is not a science. It's, an, it's more of an art. That has rules. So I guess it's a science and an art. And you look at all these different pieces of the puzzle. It, it's kind of fun, actually. I mean, it's like a it's like a game that you can get paid for, right? That you can make money from. Like I don't I I don't even like to play board games. I get bored of board games. <laughs> no pun intended. I guess maybe pun intended. I don't know. But I'm like, why would I want to play this board game when I can go make like real money? I can go out and make twenty thousand dollars in the same time it takes me to play this long, long board. Okay, I'm going off on a tangent. So But the bottom line is it can be really fun, especially as you get good at it. It's like detective work. Like, what do I think this house is going to sell for? So you want to utilize your agents because they know the areas. But you got to make sure that you guys are on the same page. Like, what are they looking at? Like, why do they think this? You know, they're going to help you get to know the area. You're going to help them understand more about investing and the value added. Um, And then you just come up with like an equation. So I would look at what he thinks. Have you been clear that he needs to give you values off of what he thinks this house will sell for like after it's like looking really good, like fully upgraded, fully updated. Does he understand that? He understands that I need that. I think I could be more clear with him to say that I, I want that up front. Like, cause okay. I want him to prepare that for me. Okay. Or is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, eventually. I mean, it's okay. It's uh-huh. okay. I want every property that he sends you. I want him to say at least what he thinks, have him, start sending what he thinks they'll sell for and then based on the other expenses involved yeah let's have him actually send you what he thinks um they'll sell for after they're fixed or what be- he thinks you should offer in order to okay. make a profit right. not, not so much what he thinks it will go for i mean that's okay if he wants to say that too but why does he think it'll go for that what you he know? thinks i could competitively buy it for and still make a profit yeah yeah and he should and he understands what kind of numbers you're looking for right and he should know Uh the costs involved so he just needs to do his own equation okay Uh so he needs to come with the arv minus the repair costs minus uh the purchase costs because when you purchase a property there's a few costs it's not nearly as much as the resale cost because do you understand that that's actually important to talk about so Uh when you buy a property the seller is paying the agent's commission. Do you understand that? Maybe you didn't know that. That's good if you didn't know it because I'm, it's, I'm, this is why I'm having this call because I know there's a lot of people out there in listener land who I have these talks with these uh, other investors and we're kind of on a similar level and we may not talk about some of these basic things. So don't be worried about like being vulnerable and just be like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, it's good. It's the whole purpose. So the seller pays the realtor commission which is the majority of it's a big part of the, the sales cost in a transaction, right? It's usually five to 6% total. So when you are buying a property, your closing costs are very small. Okay. You're usually, at least, you know, in California, we have escrow and title fees. 
and those are split 50-50, okay? So I imagine it's pretty similar there. A lot of states don't have escrow, but I think in Utah you guys have escrow. But regardless, they're going to have similar fees, whether it's attorney and title fees and stuff like that. And those are split 50-50. But once again, the seller is not paying closing costs, okay? Now, as a tradition, a normal buyer, they're paying for an inspection and an appraisal, and they might have, uh, you know, of course, you could have the financing costs, but you don't, when you're buying a property as an investor, you're not usually paying for all that stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. You can. People can pay for inspections, and if you feel good about doing that, that's great, okay? So my point is when you're buying a property, you only count for a little bit. So I usually account for like 1% when I'm buying. And then when I'm selling the property, it's going to be anywhere from 5 to 6% for commissions because each agent is going to get paid anywhere from 2 to 25 to 3%. Thus, the total is 5 to 6%. Okay, so you got to count for that. And then depending on the area you are in, a lot of times the person buying the property will ask for contingency money. They'll ask for... Uh, you know, two to three or so percent to purchase that property. Now, where where I buy houses, when I buy in the lower end area, there's a lot more people asking for that kind of money. Uh, but then there's other prop. But if you sell the property for cash or to someone who's doing conventional, a lot of times they won't ask for that. Or if it's like a nicer area, so that's why your sales costs when you go to sell the property are going to range anywhere from you have the agent already. Uh, mm -hmm. which if someone's an agent, they can, you can take out that cost, but I think it's still a cost because I think you're still taking your time. So I think you still want to include that cost, right? So if I'm going too fast, you can stop me. <laughs> I can, you have this like glazed look, but so the commissions, when you sell the property, once again, are five to 6%, you might have 3% in closing costs. And then you have like a percentage when you buy the property, which is why I will usually account for anywhere from, what amount did you say? I said 6 to 10%. Yeah, 6 to 10%. That's perfect. That's perfect. So I you want to read that off your post, yep. <laughs> your blog. Perfect. Yeah, if you're in an area where you think they may not ask for it, I'll usually just do like, I think 8% is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of a good uh, going into it as you're getting familiar with your area. I would use 8% because you never know. You don't know if what people are going to ask for when you go to close. You don't know exactly where the property is going to end up, where the ARV is exactly going to be at. You don't know what exactly what the market's going to do. So everything, people want to get it exactly. want to have that crystal ball. You are doing the best to give the best estimated guess that you can. And then you're leaving enough room for profit and maybe a little wiggle room in case something goes bad, <laughs> you know, but okay. So whew, got a little fire <laughs> carried away there. So uh, once again, so what were you talking? We were talking about the agent coming up with the offer, right? So he has to come with the ARV. He has to kind of have an understanding of the repairs. Uh -huh. Um, and if he doesn't, that's okay. We, you can work with them on that. If he doesn't know repairs, just have him send you the ARV and what he thinks the cost will be just so he can kind of give you an idea of what he thinks you should offer. So, but no, you, I mean, you can kind of build up to that, but it looks like you're getting close to where you can do that. I mean, at least on this first one, he gave you the ARV and he gave you some information. So now you can go back and say, okay, but what about this and this and this type thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But maybe the property could sell for more. I don't know. I need to, what I think we'll do is let's keep talking a little bit more. Uh -huh. And then we'll go ahead and maybe tomorrow or wh whenever. I mean, I'm going to go out here in a little bit with my family, go grab some. Uh, I think Tara want to go to a movie with the kids. But 
Um, so what we'll do is I'll look at those comps and stuff and I'll kind of see what I think the ARV is and we can kind of go from there. But right now he told you the ARV already. So I would get back to him with that first one and I would say, Hey, you know, I'm going to look at this a little more with my brother and see where we're at on the ARV. But this, you know, there can't be money made here because of this and this and this. So send him that one. And then go through, you said he sent you how many more? So that's one of the things you'll do. 57. 57, okay. So go through. <laughs> so yeah, go, I don't what, know if I have the ARVs on those yet. Okay. So maybe I'll go through and find ones that look appealing to me yeah. and ask him for those, you yep. think? Yep. I would go through and go, go through so the ones that you think are the best to make offers on, maybe based on location or just ones that you think would be good to start with. Not as a new investor... You maybe don't want to take on the ones that are too insane, but at the same time, the market that we're in right now, finding like a carpet and paint job is kind of tough. You know, if you have a house that's built in like the year 2002 and needs carpet and paint, those are hard to get because a retail buyer can go in and will make an offer on that and can get a loan on that. And they don't mind doing the carpet and paints. It's very basic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've actually quit making offers on those kind of houses altogether. So the more turnkey bread and butter ones are a little bit harder. So you want to find something kind of in the middle. If I were you, I wouldn't, you know, go find that house that is totally burnt down. But I would find a house that, that needs a, a little bit more work, kind of in the middle. Okay. So mm -hmm. I focus on those, send those to him. And then, yeah, then we'll go from there. So... Would you stay clear of like structural problems? Um, I wouldn't like, personally. I love structural problems because there's more opportunity. I know an investor has to buy. I know somebody is going to make money on that house or do something really stupid on that house. And, and usually it's make money. More people, I would say, make money than not. Or maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, it's usually the people who get houses like that, they just know their stuff, man. And you got to start somewhere. So what you're doing right now is you're just starting. You're getting familiar with areas. You're comping properties. You've talked to agents. You're getting familiar with contracts. There's all these things. And then over time, you're going to continue to niche down. Now, by niching down, you're going to become more familiar with either an area to where you know that area better than like anybody. You just know what a house will sell for. You have a really good idea of what a house will sell for every time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to get really good. I know you talked about like doing some door knocking or, or stuff like that. Or you're going to get really good at like something specific that most people aren't really doing or focused on. And then you can go a little broader. And you know, I call it deep or broad. So mm -hmm. if you're in the same little farm area and you're doing a whole bunch of different buying strategies in that same area, but you know the area really good, that's what I call it. It's going deep into your farm area. But if you're really good at like one niche, but you do it on a broader, like cover more areas, more cities, more counties, but you've gotten really good at that, then... Um, that's like going broader, but either way, you're going to niche it down, right? And see mm -hmm. what, see what you're really good at. And then you, it's kind of like you niche it down and you build it up, niche it down, build it up. So anyway, what, what else do you want to do from here? We, we did talk about knocking some, what's your plan? What's your uh -huh. next plan? So today, this morning I went driving for dollars nice. for about an hour. Awesome. <laughs> and you know, I, I found a for sale by owner and I found maybe one or two that might look vacant. The problem that I'm having here in Utah is everything's brown right now. And so there's not any overgrown grasses or overgrown lawns. Okay. So I'm tr trying to 
like if there's no trash can in the front yard or if there's like mailers hanging on the door, I'm trying to figure out how to tell if it's a vacant property. <laughs> totally. um, is, do you know of any ways, like are there any lists that have vacant properties where I could try to skip trace and hunt down the homeowner and give them a call? I don't know that there's a vacant that, property list. Once again, I don't know everything. I just buy, you know, I just right. flip a hundred houses a year, but I don't know everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a good, I never thought about the brown grass thing, you know, and you how, and that's how yeah, a lot of places like, are right now. snow and ice. Totally. And like, it is a lot. It would be a lot There's not enough know. snow to like check the tracks totally. <laughs> right now. I think you just have but, to go with your gut. I mean, I think there's some you're uh, going to know for sure. Some you're going to be unsure about, but I would just say, uh, I think, you know, I think mm -hmm. this one. And then what you can do is you can do, you know, a title search and you can find out, is this property owned? Um, is it a, is the person who owns this property, do they live here or uh -huh. is it a rental property? And if you find that it's a rental property and you see that it has equity, then you say, okay, this is probably worth sending a letter to. And look, at the end of the day, who cares? Because you're, you're going to send mail you would send letters to people who they don't have to have a dilapidated, totally dilapidated or a vacant property for you to send them a letter anyway. Maybe, who knows? Maybe they want to buy the house. We send letters to people all the time that their house might be just fine, but they're on our list. So uh -huh. if you don't know, just write it down. Yep. You've already did Actually, the work of driving around. So uh -huh. I downloaded two apps on my way out. One was like, it's an app designed to track your bicycle rides. Uh-huh. And so I downloaded, I forgot what it's called exactly. We can put in the show notes if people want. But okay. anyways, it kept track of every single street that I drove down and put it on awesome. a map. So I made sure not to drive down the same street twice. Yeah, yeah. So well, I did that. On. I, and, and then I downloaded another app that's like a can canvassing app that's for like door-to-door -door salesmen to use. Nice. And you could put like pin, drop pins on different houses. And so I just put like, for sale by owner, house looks vacant, uh, awesome. things like that. And there's probably better tools out there than that. Yeah, yeah. I just found them on the app store. So that's actually, so, yeah, go ahead. Let's finish off. Finish yeah, so that's what I did today. And But go ahead and then I'll say what I plan to do tomorrow. So, um, I, I, yeah, that's right. One of the very first things I told you to do, I said, drive around your area. I said, if you, you know, depending on where you live, if you have like brand new house in your area, okay, go to like the next neighborhood over or whatever. But this is what everybody should do. They should start drive around your area. Just start to feel it, taste it, smell it, you know, just kind of get comfortable with the houses around. Like I don't do this right now. But if you're new, like this is a great way to start, start and then just start calling on every single, like you said, you sound some, found some for sale by owner. I would call on every for sale by owner I would call on every for rent and I would call on every, what did I tell you? Every listing, listing as well. And you said, well, how should I only call on the ones that are, that need work? And what I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> call them all, build relationships, call them all to build a relationship and, and find the value, find the value. The area, find you're going to find out, you're going to start to get very quickly. It's crazy how fast it happens. You know, it takes a lot of, it feels like it's taking a ton of work at first. And also you're like, Oh, uh -huh. I kind of have an idea of what houses are selling for around here. Uh -huh. And so if it needs work, you build a relationship and you're getting an idea of the, the value of what your house might be worth when you fix it up. But then mm -hmm. if it needs work, then you can have, hey, can you make an offer for me? And, that, and that's really where you focus on those is 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking to buy an investment property. Would you be interested in making an offer for me? That is so much easier than randomly calling an agent and be like, Hey, my name's John. <laughs> um, um, I want to buy some houses. You know, and they're be like, what, what, what's going on? You know, so they have a property, they can make an offer, you know, they're active cause they have a property and you're calling on something they want to sell. So it's a great in, but then also mm-hmm. at the same time, don't waste time calling all the for rent ones, calling all the for sale by owner. Why for rent? Because they're not being rented out. They have a house. They want to rent out. They're not making money on it. Right. Right. So call on those. Maybe they're going to want to sell them. They're. You know, we mail the absentee owners all the time in the hopes that they might have a vacant property. You just found a vacant property. Call on it. And there's a phone number. What about this? So Craigslist, KSL, they have all these properties for rent. Maybe you could find like old postings of people who have rented properties and make offers to them. Absolutely. Because what I, what I, my philosophy right now. That's a really good idea, actually. (laughs) I'm going to do it. (laughs) So if anyone's in Utah, don't listen to that part. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So what I'm going to do, uh, because I believe direct mailing, obviously there's a ton of success with right. that. I don't have the capital for direct mailing right now. Well, to be also, honest. like I told you and I told a lot of people, I wouldn't start doing direct mail until you really feel like you know your area. Because mm-hmm. on average, you know, our goal is usually to make like eight to 10 times the amount that we put into direct mail on the properties that we flip. However, that could still mean that I'm spending, it depends on the area, it varies, but it could mean that I'm spending $2,500 to buy one house in the hopes of making 20 or $25,000, right? But I see a lot of new investors, they spend 2,500 and they get burnt out and they spend that extra thousand it's like, but a new investor might take twice that much to get used to their area. So they might spend $5,000 and it's like, dude, before you know it, they're like, spend all the money they have, they put, but it's like if you take the time to understand a little more first, maybe you get a deal first. Then later on, you can you'll have a little more capital that you can focus on direct mail, and your money will be better spent as well. Uh-huh. So anyway, right. So what are you gonna do? And so through my my experience, I know for sure that door to door sales works. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if you knock on someone's door and talk to them, in my mind, I believe it's much more likely. To make that connection than sending them a letter uh, or even calling them. For sure. But I'm also going to do cold calling because when I was doing insurance, I uh, sold 29 policies over the phone without even really knowing what I was doing just by talking to them Holy on the phone. Um, and, and it's free. Yep. So, so I need to find, I mean, I am going to pay for a list of motivated sellers. Awesome. And I'm going to try to track down their phone numbers with some skip tracing. If I can't find their phone numbers, I'm going to go knock on their doors awesome. and see what I can make happen these next. Awesome. I love Throw it. myself in the fire. I love it. And you know what? Stuff like that might be a little more time consuming than like direct mail because they're not calling you. You're going out to get them. But like you said, it's not as capital intensive. And mm-hmm. you're throw- like you said, you're throwing yourself in the fire. And that's actually how I started, as you know. Were you at my house the first day I went? Knocking on doors for short sales to, to... I was driving around with you in the car. Oh, you, you were driving me... Well, before. Yeah, yeah. We were driving around looking for physical right. signs. That's right. We did that before. I, I usually don't tell us in my story, but before I ever went to that my first seminar in Atlanta, Georgia, you and I, we were doing some research and I think... Oh, I actually read the book, No Money Down. 
by like Robert Allen, which, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I recommend people to read that or not, whatever, but it was just kind of one of the first books I read. I think Derek, our other brother told us me about it. And I'm like, okay, I got to find this list. And we just started driving around and like knocking doors yeah. and calling on FISBO signs. <laughs> and we actually talked to a lady that I think looking back now, I could have bought her house. I just didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh-huh. But we just went for it, man. Uh-huh. And that's what I love about anyone who's like willing to knock doors or make cold calls. And I think that's when I got the most excited. When you told me you're willing to do that, I'm like, he's going to make it happen. Because I don't. it might be hard. You might have to knock like 110 to get one. Uh-huh. But you know what? Like people who are willing to do that, they want it. They're willing to do it. And as we know, you and I have done a lot of sales. So sometimes you got to lock and knock a lot of doors, huh? And some days you don't get any sales, right? Some uh-huh. days it, it's like, how do you feel some <laughs> days when you sell? Um, some days you feel at the top of the world if you got 10, but other days it's the opposite. <laughs> you feel discouraged or the first door that you ever knock every day, no matter what is the hardest thing that you do that day. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Because you have, the, you know, you, once you get going, you're fine. But over time you get, I don't know, it's the weirdest thing, Stephen. Like I've had several times where like I'd go a day without a cell or even a few hours or even I did well the day before and I feel like I can't go do that again today. Like I just don't think it'll work. I don't think anyone's going to listen to me. <laughs> huh? And that's the reason I say that is because that's how this or any other business or any sales, which you're always doing sales, no matter what you do, that's how it is, right? Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep pushing forward. You got to keep believing. So, all right, Steve Arino, um, this has been good. Let's go ahead and stop here. And we will, uh, I think what we'll probably do is we'll have you do the, you and I will talk again in a few more days. Uh-huh. We'll see where you're at. And it probably won't be, you know, for this long, but we'll just keep, you'll be, uh, the two episodes and, and usually in the episodes I cut them in half, but instead we'll just stop off here and we'll, we'll keep talking a couple of days and people can just keep listening to me coaching you. And then, you know, maybe in like a month we'll have you on again and see if you made it or felt <laughs> flat on your face. <laughs> not just kidding. Not really. <laughs> but you know, no matter what, Fell forward fast. you're always succeeding. I had somebody tell me in my mastermind group that they made a few offers, but nothing happened or like it didn't work out. I'm like, no, like you succeeded. Like you did what 90% of people never do. Mm-hmm. You're in the club. You're now in the <laughs> offer club. Anyway, so Steven, you're about to join the offer club, huh? I am. All I'm right, man. Take several offers this within a week. Hey, so. when you join the offer club, I mean, that's a big step. So it's still a long road ahead and a whole lot of work, but uh-huh. at least you'll be in the, I made an offer club. So yeah. And then I'll probably be in the club where someone slams a door on my face. Yep. That's it's right. Okay. I, I'm looking forward to hearing how the door knocking thing goes. I'll, uh, yeah, me too. Okay. You have all these sales reps that go door to door, right? And people set up teams. What if you had a team of guys, you know, like our cousins manage teams and stuff. What if you had a team of guys that went door to door and look for people to buy houses. Wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah. Well, think about it. So Chase is the company Chase works for. Yeah. Altera. Uh, their whole business, and they're doing extremely well. The way they get business is knocking doors. They put teams together and they go out and knock doors. Crazy. They could send out direct mail. They could do all these things. But yeah. the most effective thing for them is knocking doors. And nobody wants to knock doors. Nope. So. 
I think it's a little niche that I might have. I don't want to knock doors. Uh But I also don't want to wait six months mailing the same person for six months. Yep. To get I, my still. What I love, I love that you're doing several things and, and I don't feel like it's unfocused either. I feel like it's pretty focused because you're working with an agent and then you're doing a couple other things that are like, Hey, I'm going to get out there and like make this happen. And that's how I started was knocking doors. So it's going to be hard, but you know that you've done door knocking. So I'm explain that mm-hmm. you're going to have a big learning curve. So you're going to be testing. And so what I try to do is I, I always tell people like in my group, what I've been telling them too, is I say, act as if you're going to go out there and get a property accepted in the next week, but pre- be prepared for it to take several months. Cause it's got to, you got to play these mental games to yourself, you know, in right. your situation, you only have a month though. So I know you have it. that's why I have the knock doors. <laughs> and by the way, I know you said you're going to wholesale that one so that it's a quicker yeah. type deal. Cause you can't uh-huh. wait for the profit till the very end. Right. So. The ones that I'm doing with the agent, I plan to rehab and uh, so then I could give back to him okay. and have him yeah. relist it. And you know, either so, way, I mean, I know that's your agreement with the agent, but it's not even an agreement. That's something that I, I want to do. I don't have to do it, I guess. Totally, totally. I'm just saying what you could do, and this is what I've had agent uh, wholesalers do with me. You could say, hey, look, I'll sell you this house, but you need to use this agent to list it. So anyway, you're still uh, you're uh, still hooking him up, or you give him like a little bit of the profit you made or something. Uh-huh. I mean. Bottom line, you don't need to talk to him about that now because a confused mind says no. So you don't right. need to have like, you're already trying to work with your agent on enough things. You don't need to uh-huh. get into like, oh, but if this happens, then we're going to do that. And it's just like too much stuff. So anyway. Yeah. All right, Steve Arino. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, this is usually where I ask people how they can get in touch with you. But, um, you know, not sure if anyone's going to want to since you're brand new. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you could email me at uh, at stevew2003 at gmail.com if you want to uh, to give me a house for 50 cents on the dollar. <laughs> uh, I'd, uh, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Steve-O. Well, I will let you so. go and be with your newlywed wife. All first. right. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Whoa, 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 wowzers. Wow. I cannot believe everything that Steven has going on in just like a few days. I mean, guy quits his job. I gets out there contacting an agent, already meeting with the agent, ready to make offers, already looked at some houses, ready to do some door knocking, cold calling. Talk about failing forward fast. You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I've I've talked before about the baby effect and I just there's a lot of people out there that something big changes in their life and all of a sudden they just have this extra like willpower to do whatever it takes to make things happen. You know, and it was Steven recently being married and gonna be starting a family soon. He just realizes, all right, time to make this happen. And I love that he's just grabbing the bull uh, by the horns and taking some massive action. So Really excited to seeing and seeing where his journey goes, and we'll uh, we'll keep you up to speed. You know, I'll do some. That call went a little bit longer than I had intended, so this is going to be a pretty long episode. I'm just going to keep it one episode, and I'm still not sure if we'll do another one later this week, or this might be the only one. I don't know. I guess you'll just have to wait and see. It just depends if I end up talking to Steve again. If I do, I'll probably have him hop up here on Skype, and we'll record it, and we'll probably just put it out there for you. So. Might be one, might be two episodes this week. Uh, We'll just have to see. 
Uh, but really excited to see what Steven has. So it's going to be fun to be able to follow along with someone. We kind of went off on a lot of topics I didn't really plan on talking about, but I think it was really good because a lot of it was things that I wouldn't have thought to talk to you guys about. So anyway, go ahead and in the show notes, leave any questions you have about the episode. Anything else you'd like me to ask Steven or coach or talk to him about, uh, we can do that on another episode. This is your guys' show. So uh, let's get in there. Let's be a part of it. So go to housewivinghq.com slash episode 28 and leave some comments or questions and we will make sure we get to those. Also, really quick reminder that tomorrow I'll be speaking at the Orange County Real Estate Forum. That's ocreforum.com. You can go ahead and go there. It's in Irvine, uh, Orange County, California. So go ahead and get there if you would like to come check that out. If you are listening to this later on, I'm also speaking again in April. I have a lunch meeting booked in April for Investors Workshops. Um, It's actually called something else, the lunch meeting, but I'll get you details on that later on. uh, Maybe I'll get another speaking engagement. In the meantime, sometimes people contact me last minute. So uh, go ahead and shoot us an email if you ever want to know when I will be speaking next. Also, a quick reminder, you can visit housefunghq.com slash webinar to get on our next webinar where you can ask questions. I will answer those for you live. Other than that, I think that's a wrap on this episode. Uh, Keep doing your thing, guys. Uh, You're doing good. You're doing good. Just keep pushing along. Keep educating yourself. Take action. Do them both because when you take action and then you go back and listen to the podcast again or continue that education, you're going to get so much more out of it. So. With that, we will see y'all soon. And until then, happy house flipping. Bye-bye. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. These houses like a spatula all across the Southland and now into your head. HFHQ is on the interweb. You think you know how to flip from watching DIY? You better self-correct because he's a heck of a guy. J to the U to the S to the T-I-N. Listen close because I won't say it again. Get your dose of the flip and you'll come back in time. From the blog to the pod to the mastermind. It's your one-stop shop to drop the flipping bomb. HowesflippingHQ.com Hey, okay, that, you don't really have to hang up, but... All right, good job, man. I know a lot of it was long. I think my story. No, it's fine. Was it plain? No, I think like people like to connect. They like to know. Are you ever listening to someone and you're like, I wish I knew more about this person? Uh huh. So I think people like to connect. I just feel like I was bouncing like everywhere, but do you think it wasn't too much, like too I long? I think it's fine. That's kind of like what I do. It's kind of my style, and I still have thousands of people listening. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll go through. And, and like, there's like so much stuff that I left out, but it was just going on. Well, and that's like, fine. We'll we'll talk again next time. People like to be a fly on the wall and learn. I mean, you've listened to the podcast. You know I sometimes ramble, right? But uh-huh. And we get off on these tangents, but sometimes I listen to someone who's so structured, and I'm like, what's this person really like? What's really going on? You right. Know? Like people at least know we're real.
They're, uh-huh. Would you rather be a fly on the wall and listen to someone's conversation who's being successful and being coached? Or would you rather listen to a very structured, perfect call? Yeah, fly on the wall. Yeah, totally. Sure. So anyway, all right, you did a good job. Uh, Say okay. <laughs> okay, hopefully you delete a lot of it. No, no, it's good, it's good. Okay, so anyway, yeah, just uh, you know what to do from here on out though? Yeah, okay. yeah, so I'm gonna, I was actually on a list source, is that what it's called? Yeah, .com. yeah. Just trying to create a list that I could go knock and, or, and try to get their numbers. Okay, cool. Um, so people who are having short sales, can I, if they have equity, I could just buy the house from them, right? Well, if people are doing a short sell, then they don't have equity. Well, if they're on like the, will this source give me like a NOD? You have to put, no, 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 don't worry about that so much. Okay. Um, from list source, I would focus on people that have equity and I don't know, you know what, you might have to see, here's the thing. I said this about list source before. If I was going to say focus on absentee owners, but then you're going to go knock on doors for these houses. Well, I could cold call them. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. So I could skip trace them. And there's a Have you program. gone on list source yet? I was just on there right before this call. Maybe call like and work with one of their reps too. Okay. Tell yeah. them what I want. Or you might even be able to go in there. I think you can choose ones that have phone numbers only. I saw the option for that, but I couldn't click on it. Maybe it was the type of uh, list I was creating. Yeah. It was grayed out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think you have the right idea. I don't have all the answers for you, really. Uh-huh. Um, no, I know. Yeah. But what you can do, though, as far as your agent goes, is the houses that you decide, you can forward me the comps that he sent you and then forward me the properties he sent you. And then you can continue, like, every once in a while, like, for now, I mean, it, yeah, it can't be like, I can't spend hours every day, but right. Um, for now, you can go ahead and send me I can try to help you at least get a fill to kind of get off on the right page. Yeah. You know, and if I, you know, if I know that it's like way off, yeah. then, you know, I, I'm not, I'm only, I'll only contact you when I like really, but like, what's cool is like you're learning. So uh-huh. some people like don't, they want to find that perfect agent. I'm like, dude, like you want to save the perfect agent. Almost. I mean, not really, but like just look at everything is like in the pause. Like how can this be beneficial? Like, so it's like that, so let's say that you work with this guy for like a few weeks and then he's, you guys aren't buying anything because you're still learning ARVs and he's kind of off and you guys are off. So he, he just like kind of fizzles out. But yeah. the next agent, you're going to know so much more. It's crazy. Uh-huh. So we want this guy to work out. Don't get me wrong. Well, there's another agent who just emailed me today that, yeah. that wants to meet with me. Okay. So Should go ahead. I- you can do that or you can just tell him. Just talk to him. You already have talk- a lot going on. Right. So, and then I also want to knock doors. And, yeah, yeah. So I have my. I agent. would say you know I kind of have an agent I'm going to start working with. <laughs> See, I'm interested in working with you as well, uh-huh. but let me kind of get going with them. Uh-huh. And once I get some things underway with them, or you know, see if it works out with them, then let's be in touch. So let's plan on meeting in a week or two. Okay. Bam. All Bam. Right. We've got to add this now onto the call. <laughs> uh, oh, is it still recording? Yep. <laughs> sometimes i do like um under the call and i'll say goodbye to the person and then i'll leave something at the very end <laughs> you're like oh man i'm not oh, gonna tell you when i'm recording yeah I'm not- no that's it's better it's more natural yeah you're just natural so 
<laughs> hey man, I've got to get these guys all the content I can. So yeah, no, go for it. Anyway, and so uh, I had one other thing that I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. Well, just shoot me an email. Uh, we're gonna go grab some food and go to a movie here pretty soon. Okay. Um, but yeah, shoot me an email, and then if I don't get back to you tonight, just know that I might not get back to you tonight. Then I'll get back to you in the morning. So okay. I think we're actually we're meeting up with Derek and. And uh, Chase tonight to watch a nice. movie. Awesome. You're going to watch, uh, we're going to go watch that movie with like, I think it's the one with the dog. Air Bud? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of joking because like we get to go watch kid movies, you know? Oh, yeah. Kids. So yeah, yeah. We're all excited we're, when like a new cartoon comes out or something. Yeah. Chase has a really sweet theater uh, in his basement. Nice. Yeah, so we're going to visit him yeah, when I come there. Through. We're gonna watch Check Thor two. Nice. Did I see <laughs> so, that? I don't think I saw that. It's already out in movie. I think so. I don't know. Or you have the hookup, huh? You have all kinds of. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 it's being recorded. It's being recorded. No, I'm just kidding. All right, bro. All right, bro. I'll let you go. Hang out with your family. Tell Aaron. I said, "What's going on?" I will. All right. We'll talk and, to you uh, later. What and yeah. what? See you on the flip side. We'll see you on the flip side. We'll see you on the this, flip this, this. side. I'm in the house for Instagram Parker. All right. All right. <laughs> Your <you>. host, Justin <laughs> Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. All right. Talk to you. Uh, all right. Bye. bye.